and welcome to another episode of Heartstock Radio. I am your host, Carol Murphy, and Daniel Hogan is in the studio there at KBMF 102.5. Today we have Jessica Schreiber, and she is the founder of Fab Scrap. And Jessica will be here to tell us all about what is Fab Scrap and what she's been doing there. And you can also email us. We're always looking for wonderful folks out there using business as a force for good. You can find us at heartstockradio at gmail.com. We're also on social media. Come by and say hello. This is Heartstock. We'll be right back with Jessica Schreiber of Fab Scrap. This is Heartstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy. Today, our guest is Jessica Schreiber. Hi, Jessica. How are you? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for being on. And I noticed, and we just spoke just a, a little bit earlier before I hit record, about your location there in New York. You're in not the city per se, but you said the Bronx. Is that right? We're in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yay, Brooklyn. <laughs> so much stuff has been going down in New York as, you know, just kind of the whole country, but it seems like New York gets a, a, an extra double dose and helping of all the wonderful things that are transpiring on our planet these days. How are you holding up and how has this impacted your company? I am okay. I actually, like, for all of the ways that there's more people and more problems, I do think that there's like strength in numbers too. And so it's really, it's been really nice to see New Yorkers kind of come together and, and work together to move things forward. And yeah, Fab Scrap is still around <laughs> two or three years into the pandemic, which I think is an achievement in itself. Um and definitely made some pivots and some creative changes, but I feel really good about where we're at now. And what is Fab Scrap? And how does it work? Fab Scrap is a nonprofit organization. We work with fashion companies, interior design companies, and entertainment companies to collect their excess fabric and design materials. And then we sort them either for reuse or recycling. So we're really helping these industries reduce their waste while also creating this great resource for individuals and artists and students to have access to these materials and upcycle them and keep them from landfill. And I was looking on your LinkedIn profile and I can kind of see the little footsteps and the path that led you to this place. Can you share a little bit about that with our listeners and why you founded FabScrap? Yes. Without going too, too far back, I studied biology and education in undergrad. I was really interested in, in the science, but I also wanted to be able to communicate it. And so that was where that education piece came in. And in those biology classes and studying sort of geology and ecology, got really concerned about climate change. And so kind of funneled both of those degree into something a little bit more focused in grad school where I studied climate science and public policy and communication at Columbia. And that's what brought me to New York. 
And while I was there, one of the professors worked at New York City's Department of Sanitation, and they were just launching their clothing recycling program and needed some interns to help with the launch. And so I interned there, um, which was great to see sort of this big public program roll out and be part of that development. And then was hired from that internship to continue to manage the program as well as like e-waste and curbside composting for high-rise buildings. So it was a great way to sort of learn the city. And I've always been kind of a trash nerd. And this felt like a way that I could contribute to solving the climate problem. Mm. I, I love that trash nerd. I don't think we've ever had the privilege of having a trash nerd on the show <laughs> before. And I'm, can you connect the dots for us? How is recycling in our huge amounts of human waste, especially textiles, how is that connected to climate change? It doesn't seem directly connected, but I think any product that uses resources <laughs> in its creation is pulling something from the planet and then it's put into landfill in a different form that may or may not be able to return to the planet or cause active harm to our waterways or surrounding ecology. And so particularly with textiles, they're really resource heavy in their development, whether that's with cotton and sort of like water use, land use, et cetera, or if that's polyester, which is essentially from crude oil and is at its base form a plastic heavy in their development in resource use. And then also when they go to landfill, not all of them will biodegrade. There's now dyes and fire treating chemicals that have been added. If it's a polyester or synthetic fabric, it may never break down and just become smaller and smaller pieces of plastic that enter our waterways. So from start to finish, the more that we can keep these resources in use and really, really make sure that they're used to their fullest value or recycled or returned to the planet in some kind of more positive way, I think is important. And that's where like a lot of the conversation and ideas around circularity come from, is really wanting to not have a take, make, waste pipeline, but something that, that sort of returns things in a more beneficial way. So take, make, reuse? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And maybe even you don't have to take if you could reuse at the beginning. You uh -huh. could make something from what other people see as waste. And that's really where Fab Scrap works. And so much of what we are redistributing was waste to a large company but to an artist or a fashion student or an individual quilter, that's more than enough for them to be able to make with. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that you came to New York in order to attend Columbia. So I'm wondering, where were you at before that? And were you a trash nerd then? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico, very different from New York. And I grew up in national parks. My family did a lot of camping and backpacking. And so I spent a lot of time like in nature. And I think that's where sort of the deep appreciation for our planet and for our natural resources comes from. And then I went to Arizona State for undergrad um, in Phoenix. And 
I think that's where the trash nerd (laughs) really emerged. I started a recycling program for my dorm. And that was where I really started to see like how easy it was for people to toss things without thinking about how it could be reused or if they could use it in a different way or what they were buying in the first place. You know, and we're hearing so much about shipping our trash and waste overseas and nobody wanting that anymore. So in many ways, I'm I'm just wondering how this has impacted you personally on your mission to recycle. I mean, is that how and why you started Fab Scrap and what was the what was the birth of the the company? Definitely sort of the seeds were planted while I was at the Department of Sanitation. I was coming to see in a more holistic way the clothing waste issue in that it was more than a lot of the local nonprofits could handle, sort of like overwhelming local nonprofits. And so they're selling it in bulk to another grader who's pulling it into categories that maybe go to the other parts of the country, but a lot of it may be going overseas. And I think the general feeling for me was there was just kind of a lack of transparency. And even sometimes like on street corners, if you see a donation bin, it's hard to tell if that bin is for a nonprofit or a for-profit. And so I think that was where it sort of stuck with me that like there should be more transparency and, and accountability for where things go. And Around that same time, there were a few fashion companies who reached out to me at Sanitation since I was overseeing the city's clothing reuse program. And they were asking what they should be doing with their textile waste that wasn't clothing yet. It was all of the waste from the design process. So fabric samples, dead stock rolls of fabric, mock-up garments and like sample garments that weren't finished or button zippers, cones of yarn, et cetera. And there really wasn't a good place to send them. Arts organizations and local schools could only take so much. Like the these companies were creating thousands of pounds of waste and those schools and arts programs aren't set up to take that volume. And even like our, our regular nonprofits who kind of work with used clothing and used home goods, you don't visit them hoping for like, here's a leather hide or here's a bolt of wool or here's a few yards of silk. Like they're just sort of different product categories. And it felt like what needed to exist was a thrift infrastructure for raw materials. So here's companies who have all of these excess raw materials. And in a city like New York, where there's so many fashion students and artists and emerging designers and crafters and creators um, that could use that, we just needed sort of like the infrastructure to make that possible. And that's really where FabScrap started. And I pulled together some of the brands who originally reached out to me at Sanitation, and that became a working group to kind of just figure out how much were you throwing out, in what form, how often, did you know where it was going, what other places have you tried, and that's that's where FabScrap was developed. When you first went to New York, was that a bit of a culture shock? I know for me, growing up here in Montana, the first time I went to New York, one of the things that just, I was gobsmacked over the heaps of trash. And my question was, is there a garbage strike? We're like, no, this is normal. The, the garbage <laughs> sits there, the garbage collectors come and pick it up. But I was used to garbage on a much smaller scale. How about you? What, what did you think when you first arrived? 
Yeah, I I don't know if the garbage struck me necessarily. I think because I lived right outside of Albuquerque and so we didn't have municipal trash collection. Like we would sort of take our bags of trash each weekend to a local dump. And so I always just sort of had this idea that like when you throw something away, it doesn't fully go away. And I think when I got to New York, it made sense to me that these buildings where there's maybe 200 apartments in them, of course, if each apartment has a couple bags in a week and you put all of those 200 apartments, couple bags onto the sidewalk for pickup, it's going to look, it's going to look like a lot. And I think actually what was so impressive to me is like at scale, how well waste management does their job in that it does disappear in a pretty timely way. And it's, it's been done so well that people don't really think about where it goes once it leaves the curb. You definitely think about where it's going when it's sitting there longer than it should be. And that's where like people start to question. But when it leaves as efficiently as it does, it doesn't really call as much attention to it. And so I think that's a positive and a negative definitely for like the sanitation department and the sanitation piece of that. It's good that we're removing stuff so quickly. But in terms of behavior change and having people sort of sit with a little bit of their waste for a longer period and using that as an incentive to reduce waste, our efficiency is maybe too efficient. (laughs) It's out of sight, out of mind, and uh, we don't Mm -hmm. realize the full impact. And that's what I hope we can talk about next is, you know, just how we are as humans impacting the planet, the ecology, each other, public health in general, with our huge amounts of waste. And then, yeah, how we can turn this around some. This is Heartstock. We'll be right back with Jessica Schreiber of Fabscrap. Welcome to Heartstock. This is Carol Murphy, your host. And today our guest is Jessica Schreiber, and she is the founder of Fabscrap. We were just talking about all the waste, whether you're in Montana or New York, this has an impact. And this kind of relates to your mission, I'm sure. But as a nonprofit, can you help us understand why your mission is so important and more specifically what, what that mission is? Yeah. So our mission overall is to end textile waste. And I that seems <laughs> maybe unachievable, but we have waste in quotations because I think it's more just thinking about materials as if they've reached the end of their life or have no more useful value. Like that's wasted. And I think so many things can be recycled or reused or upcycled or downcycled in some way where they don't have to be waste. Um, and so we do that as part of our mission to have a convenient and transparent recycling service for the brands that we work with. 
a affordable and accessible materials resource for the creative community in New York to access all of this excess material. And then as a educated and diverse community of change makers, we do a lot of workshops, like how to mend your garments, how to dye things, how to make stuff from small pieces, because we really want people to feel empowered to have more ownership and be part of the change. How did you decide and determine that your organization was going to be nonprofit as opposed to a for-profit business? For me, the decision to go nonprofit made a lot of sense because I didn't personally feel the need to profit off of the solution. (laughs) So nonprofit, I think one of the things that I had to learn was that like nonprofit doesn't mean that you can't make money or can't operate as a business, it means that there's no ownership. So if the business does well, Jessica doesn't take home more. If the business does well, that extra money gets put back into the business so you can continue your mission and continue doing good and continue to grow. And so for me, that felt most right. It also allows us to collect data in sort of a neutral third party kind of way where we're really hoping to share data about this waste stream in a public way and help inform policy or help brands make decisions. And doing that where there's no one personally profiting from that information felt most transparent. I think for a lot of people on the team, this definitely feels like something that they're passionate about beyond just what it can do as a business. Can you walk us through the experience of participating in and with Fab Scrap. If you're a brand and you've got a lot of textile waste, and from the perspective of the artist or the creator who's using the textile waste? Yeah. As a brand, it's usually a design team or maybe the sustainability team at a brand. They just reach out. Um, We have a form on our website where brands can let us know that they're interested in service. We have a service agreement that gets signed and then we send them fab scrap bags. They're like extra large laundry bags. And basically they will take anything that they no longer want or need and put them in the bags and then schedule a pickup through our website. And within four to five business days, we will come by and pick up the bags leave some empty bags so that you can keep collecting. And then it comes to our warehouse where we weigh it in and sort it. And that data gets reported back to the brand, both how much we picked up and how it was sorted so that they can use that information in their own corporate social responsibility metrics or environmental metrics. So that's the brand side. Um, On the individual side, we then have a fabric thrift store, um, one in New- in Brooklyn and New York and one in Philadelphia. And then online, we have a fabric thrift store as well, where we try and make all of this material accessible to the public. So anybody can come into the stores to shop. Right now for COVID, we're still appointment only just to limit the traffic in our space. But you can make an appointment Tuesday through Saturday to come in and shop. And it's Sample yards, whole rolls of fabric, lots and lots of trim, leather skins, cones of yarn, buttons, zippers, embellishments, embroideries. If you need it to make something, we probably have it. And 
The, the sort of third way that you can access the materials and individual, we also have volunteer sessions every day. And when our volunteers come in to help us sort through the incoming material, which is really just removing non-fabric elements like staples, stickers, paper. If you help us sort the material at the end of your volunteer session, we let volunteers take home five pounds of fabric for free. And so that's been a really great way to support local students and local organizations and they get involved in the solution they get to leave with some fabric and so it's it's a win-win all around and i'm wondering do you have any statistics for us you know just to have the volumes of waste that's out there in this niche and how much of it you've saved from landfills yeah i love the data question this is where the trash nerd <laughs> the trash nerd comes out so we're picking up between 4,000 to 6,000 pounds of material every week. Last year, we did just over 300,000 pounds, and we are very, very close to collecting our one millionth pound as an org. So even though this is a pretty niche waste stream, like it's design waste from specific businesses in just New York City, I'm still excited to say that we've collected a million pounds and saved a million pounds of material from landfill. Um, so it's definitely not nothing. And we continue to sign on brands and continue to grow. I think adding Philly is going to be great. And if we really dig into the numbers, I think one of the most exciting things about that is of that million pounds, we're able to redistribute and reuse 60% of that. So only 40% gets recycled and it will become mattress stuffing, insulation, carpet padding. It's used industrially in the automotive industry as like a filler and insulator. So I think it's great that we're able to redistribute so much to local artists and creators. Mm. And you said you're expanding to Philadelphia. Did I hear right? Yeah, we opened um, the Philadelphia location in November of 2021. So it's a brand new location. We're really excited about it to sort of bring the resource to businesses in that area, as well as like that location lets us kind of reach more of DC, Baltimore, and more along the like mid-Atlantic. So we're excited to expand our service, but also just to make things more convenient for people to purchase fabric or come volunteer. And how were you funded as a nonprofit? Did you receive grants or are you self-funded? A few grants, uh, definitely. Like as a nonprofit, we're always applying for grants. But like I said, we still are a business. And I knew when I started the business that fundraising was not my comfort zone. <laughs> so I wanted to make sure that we had some internal sources of revenue. And so the same way that companies pay for trash pickup or paper recycling, there's a service fee for the textile recycling that we do. And so all of the companies that we work with they're paying for the service and that helps support our operations, but also holds them a little bit more accountable in that now this waste becomes part of their bottom line and something that they have to internalize the cost for, which I think is the most fair and responsible. So service fees is one part. And then our fabric thrift store selling the fabric when we can is the other part. And so between grants and fabric sales and service fees, we're able to to operate. So we've got about five minutes left. Is there anybody you'd like to give a shout out to, maybe even those organizations or private companies that gave you grant money? Sure. 
I would like to mention Urban Outfitters Anthropology Free People in Newly. They helped to fund the expansion to Philadelphia. Mm. So we're really thankful for their support to kind of get that new location up and running. Nordstrom also gave us a grant to help us move all of our data digitally. So instead of sending out PDF reports each year to all of our brands, which I was making by hand and was very, very oh um, long process. Now with a click of a button, brands can go in and see all their past year's data, this year's data, their cumulative data, see where their material's going, if it's recycled or reused. And that's all now in an online platform, thanks to a grant from Nordstrom. And we've also had Really consistent report from Anna Bogoski. So thanks to her too, from her foundation. That's amazing. So what does the future hold? I'm just thinking, can this model be used for post-consumer materials as well? I don't know if post-consumer is as relevant. I think in the post-consumer world with fabric, it would be hard to ask individuals to pay for the recycling. I think Nonprofits have managed textile waste for so long that everyone still feels like they're donating their clothing when in actuality, those nonprofits need to be able to sell all of that clothing for it to support their mission. And so I don't know if it works as well for post-consumer, but I do know anywhere where there's a hub of design and like arts and craft and creative culture happening, I think this is replicable. So we would love to open on the West Coast, probably in L.A., We'd love to look at franchising internationally, London, Paris, Milan, where there's definitely sort of corporate fashion happening and also like individual emerging fashion brands happening. Yes, I can see that all makes a lot of sense when you think about the numbers and how a population really needs to be present that would utilize kind of the supply and demand side of things. Yeah. Very cool. Anybody else that you'd like to give a shout out to? And then, of course, the last question, we've got uh, just under a couple minutes here. How can folks find you? Yeah, I, of course, need to shout out our volunteers. We definitely cannot operate and get through as much material as we do without our volunteer help. We've had almost 8,000 people volunteer, many of them more than once. So a shout out to our volunteers, a definite shout out to all of our customers who are finding creative ways to use all of these discarded materials. And to the team, um, we're a team of 15 now, and we're moving literal millions of tons (laughs) with a small team. And so that's due to their dedication and hard work. Mm. Yeah. And how can folks find you both, you know, if, if, it's a brand listening out there that has materials that they need your help with or other folks that would like to participate. Yeah, you can find us online. It's fabscrap.org. We're also really active on Instagram, which is at fab underscore scrap. And my handle is at tribe Jess. Hmm. How do you spell that? Just because I don't want peace, people to not find you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, S-C-H-R-E-I-B. J-E-S-S. Nice. And thank you so much both for sharing your story here on Heartstock and for being a trash nerd. That's pretty awesome. Thank you. This was fun. Oh, good. Good, good. And as usual, we'll be back next week. This is Carol Murphy, your host, signing out. Peace. Peace.
Heartstock Radio is a production of KBMF 102.5 Butte America Radio. Hear our programs every Friday at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time via live stream at butteamericaradio.org. As I went walking, I saw a sign there, and on the sign it said, No trespassing, but on the other side.